This is Splice. Morning, morning. Morning, morning. Hey, Nabila, apparently it says uh, you're trying to speak, but I'm not hearing a thing. Oh. Um, hmm. Oh, I can hear something now. Yep, I can hear your voice now. You can hear my voice now? That's yeah. what you sound like. Oh, wow. Hello. Hi there. I've been monologuing this whole time. Yeah. I love this podcast because it's like, it's like not like a podcast. I know. Is that's, that... that's a kind of professionalism you can expect of us. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it though, because yeah. it's like a real conversation, you know? You know, I guess that's why we decided to leave the live aspect of it in there, uh, you know, rather than it being a canned interview, which which is great. That has its 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 place. But we like literally pop it in as an episode, unedited, you know, unvarnished, literally straight after. So no wonder it's called Lo-Fi, very <laughs> low fidelity. Welcome to the 25th Splice Lo-Fi. It's Friday, October 15. So Lo-Fi is a little something we do every Friday morning as a way to check in on our community and find out what's up. This whole thing is recorded live, but once we're done, it goes out as a podcast episode which we hope will be useful for all of those who couldn't join us live. You'll find Splice Lo-Fi in your podcast app. So if you like this, please make sure you hit subscribe. If you're jumping in on the conversation live, you want to be taken off the record, let us know and we'll edit you out. Otherwise, it's going to go straight out there. This is a conversation. Please jump in with questions. Add your question to the Telegram chat box if you don't feel like speaking and we'll ask it for you. Or unmute yourself and get your question in. Today, this is... Oh. Today is, wait, 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 I should have written this better. Uh, today we're talking <laughs> with Nabila Syed. She's the editor of Singapore-based Arts Equator. Thank you for taking the time to join us, Nabila. Hello, morning. So it's been almost three years for you at Arts Equator. What what was the journey that, that got you there? It's, it's one of those weird things where um, the website was started in 2016. Um, and, and really to talk about like the arts in Southeast Asia, but I only joined in 2019. Um, and I was kind of, I was kind of lucky because by then, like the brand was uh, like, I mean, not that the brand was like, you know, everyone knew about it, but at least in Singapore, like having a new arts website, um, and and having that established for like three years before I joined, was basically joining a company that people already knew about, you know. Um, so my my job was like kind of easier in that sense, uh, because my boss Kathy Rowland, who set it up, had already kind of like put in the work of building. Um, building the the, the brand, uh, at least in Singapore, yeah. And so I joined as editor, um, and that's what I've been doing since then for the last two years. When we were chatting on Telegram about you joining uh, LoFi this morning, you mentioned something very excited, uh, very exciting, which was about building a network of arts critics. Talk us through that idea. We basically cover the arts, right? And and in in how you do that is you either promote things that are happening um, but the other really important thing for especially for kind of live shows and live events is reviews um, and, and having a kind of um, a critical environment that talks about quality of artwork so it's not just about promoting people and like saying all the good things but really having a, a almost like a accountability or like a feedback channel where critics get to talk about the kind of art that you make because otherwise, like you're just putting things into a vacuum, and you know you don't know like what the reach might be. Um, and and so for um for Arts Equator, a really important part of our work is 
having uh, and building up a network of arts critics, uh, primarily in Southeast Asia, although we do work with writers from uh, outside of Southeast Asia, um, and, and realizing that like, although there are independent writers like working on their own, um, there's not, I would say there's not a lot because there's not a lot of money in it. Um, we, we realized that there needed to be a kind of either um, um, a gathering point for critics to come together and talk about like, oh, what are the issues that are plaguing them like in their, spe in their um, specific countries or in their cities or in their, you know, kind of like local communities. Um, as, and, 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 then that, and then that's for existing critics. But we also realized that there needed to be a kind of training program. And so Arts Equator, we've been trying to do that for the last few years, like doing uh, meetups for critics, um, doing uh, training programs and workshops to teach people how to write reviews, how do you talk about a work, you know, it's not just about saying like, oh, it's good or it's bad or I liked it or I didn't, but like really talking about context a lot of times. Um, so that, that's basically like what we've been trying to do for the yeah, last few years. There's always that fine line between, you know, promoting and encouraging uh, the arts, yeah. but also having a critical voice. You don't want to have, on the one hand, a PR machine, but on the other hand, you don't want to you know, be overly critical and, and sort of shut things down and discourage the arts. Yeah. The idea is to encourage that critical voice and that conversation. So is that also your role in mentoring emerging arts writers from the region how does that work is that a is that a program that an arts writer an aspiring arts writer could join um what do you do uh, right. do you do you do classes or do you do events how do right. you do this currently what we've done is uh every every year or every two years we have this big thing called the asian arts media roundtable um and that's to um basically gather any kind of writer who likes to write um, about the arts and criticism uh, and we have had a mix of either like really established writers um, as well as like really quite emerging writers and depending on like the cohort of that year because like you can apply to be part of the program and if you get in depending on the cohort we we decide if it's more about chatting and just talking about the you know the arts environment in their respective locales or if we need to do like really more dedicated workshops so this year was it this year i, I lost track of time a little bit but um in singapore we had the singapore international festival of the arts which is called cifa um like a really big international arts festival so we partnered with them to um, get arts critics from southeast asia and a lot of them were really young so what we did was we did a couple we, we did a number of workshops like four workshops where we taught them like how to read an art uh, how, how do you read a show right how do you read a performance um, and it was primarily about reading like design elements. Like how do you write about, you know, set design, sound design, like anything that's not text, because we are quite used to um, analyzing text, like uh, almost like a literary analysis of stories um, or even like acting. But a lot of times people um, struggle to write about design. So that was something that we did this year. Um, besides that, I also mentor um, writers from different parts of Southeast Asia either kind of informally if, um, you know, if I, as the editor, I commission writers to work for us. Uh, so, so that will be kind of a, uh, on the job, like editing and like mentoring them. But we also do a, a more structured mentoring program um, in partnership with Goethe Institute. So they kind of um, fund a little program with, uh, for us 
um, to work with six writers from different parts of Southeast Asia. Um, uh, we are in the middle of that. So that's kind of like a one-year program uh, where writers just get to discover their voice. Because actually, criticism, like a lot of it is like discovering your, your voice and, and, and knowing like whether or not, are you, you know, are you the strict critic? Are you the, the kind of empathetic critic? Are you the funny critic? You know? So that's like something that I'm quite um, interested in doing. Can you tell us a little bit more about about the people that, that you take through your program? Are they are they young? Uh, you know, are they fresh out of school? Are they from the journalism side of things? Uh, how do you how do you come across them? And 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 where do you think these gaps are uh, in terms right. of knowledge? I think a lot of times I don't know whether it's because of I don't know, maybe it's just like my kind of like my lens of it. But I find that it's a mix of people like either from journalism, which is like essentially like where I came from because I came from like the Straits Times in Singapore. Um, and and a, lot of, a lot of times like that's the traditional route um, that people, a lot of people go through. So they, they train in journalism and then they realize like, oh, I, I like writing about the arts. And so I want to really be, I, I want to kind of develop my skills in this. Um, but a lot of times like some people just love the arts and they just want to, you know, they either love writing about it like informally, like on their Instagram or on their social media, you know, channels. Um, and then they just want to be a bit like uh, a bit, I guess better at it, or or at least like to do it a bit more um, uh, regularly. Um, but I think a lot of times it's people want to essentially be paid for writing reviews, right? That, I mean that's kind of like the dream a lot of times um, because you can you can easily start a blog and and you know write reviews. Um, but with Art Creator, for example, we are really um, quite uh, focused on the fact that we want to pay people to write about the arts. And I think that's like a lot of times like the issue because people, there are lots of passionate people like all around the region who love the arts, but sometimes they're just writing their, you know, like on their independent websites and, and they're not earning money off it, um, which in some other kind of countries are okay because that's maybe that's like your hobby or something. But we are trying to make it like a sustainable and viable kind of like career for people or at least like one of their income streams. So that's one. I think in terms of gaps, something that you mentioned earlier was this need to balance like this kind of like positive, encouraging tone with a more critical tone. And I think like there's two things about that. Like one is that if you're really young and emerging, which a lot of our participants are, you get really scared of like even 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 like kind of putting your opinion out there in a more like formal way and not just like in your little in your blogs, right? Um, because you are like, what if people are like, oh, who are you and why are you, you know, who, who, how dare you criticize like my artwork? I've been doing this for X years. Um, so there's that fear. And I think the other side of it is just um, kind of censorship loss um, and, or like the appetite for really critical, like honesty in, in writing. Um, and, th and those two things I, uh, I've started to observe, like they are often really, really important when you're talking to like young people about um about writing uh honestly and critically about opinions about arts but i think the other side of it is the fact that young people are really good at it because you know like because of like all this kind of uh like social media and like uh, uh, expressing their opinion so i often like tell them you know yes there's the fear but actually like you like the environment is set up for you to share your opinion like just because of how social media is set up so then um like it's it's about whether they can kind of overcome that fear and just get their opinions like published um that's a start i think 
Yeah, talk talk a little bit more about that. How do you help someone overcome their fear about writing and 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 you know and sharing an opinion publicly like that? And and of course, social media, as you say, has has made a huge difference in that. But how do you help someone uh, uh, overcome that? I think you just have. I mean, okay, it sounds really cliche, but I think like you just have to do it. Like, can you know that like whole like feel the fear and do it anyway? Um, it's essentially like how I did it. Because when I started, I was uh, like my first review when I was writing for the Straits Times, uh, I was twenty three or twenty four, and I was like super scared because I wasn't really part of the art scene, um, and I'm sure people you know had a response to it and was like, who is this person? You know, I don't I don't know her, <laughs> um, and and I always feel like you just have to like put it out anyway, and then you know maybe there might be some responses, maybe some people might not be happy, but I often find that with reviewing um and and maybe i'm just speaking about singapore in particular we are a small scene the more you do it the more people start to trust that okay you're in it for you know like you love the arts or you have like people's interest at heart or you're trying to improve the quality of you know um the art scene in general so the moment like people can sense like your intentions i think um that's when i find it kind of easier to put your things out there but also like it's it's about not seeing it as like negative or positive um, necessarily, but just about how, you know, writing honestly, whatever that means, kind of. You know, the funny thing about art, uh, art writing, I find critical art yeah. writing is that at, at a certain level, it becomes, you know, at one level, it becomes like a Yelp review. You know, I went <laughs> there and, you know, uh, the air conditioning was too cold. And so, you know, a bad review or I and on the other end of that spectrum, it's it so much art writing and criticism um, feels like an insider thing. You know, it's mm. it's critics writing for critics to impress other critics and it becomes impenetrable. You can, you cannot figure out what it is they're saying. And um, I'm, I'm speaking from bitter experience because I used to I used to write about art like mm. many, many, many years ago. And it came from a frustration of, you know, like what I, I'd love to go to this exhibition, but what is this person actually saying? I couldn't, it was indecipherable. Mm. And so how do you teach that? How do you teach? Um, um, because I think that one of the roles of, of writing about art is to make it accessible, right? Um, mm. I feel that it suffers from an accessibility problem. Right. Um, but you still want to keep that tone of credibility and authority and yeah, you know what you're writing about. How do you teach an art critic? Is there a basic course you do in art appreciation? <laughs> um, I actually teach art criticism in uh, one of the art schools here. And and oftentimes, like, um, and it's quite a short course. So what I often do is focus more on kind of like how do you read a show Right. Um, how do you form an opinion and how do you back it up uh, and, and kind of like doing research um, and things like that. And it's harder to teach tone, to be honest, like what you're saying, Richard, about accessibility versus like impenetrable kind of language. And and it's and that's almost like like the second, you know, almost like the intermediate class when you're like, OK, tone and accessibility but I guess one important question that I do try to ask people is like who are you writing for um, and some people write for the artist and and really see it as like feedback for the artist like you know constructive feedback for the artist whereas others are writing for an, for the audience um, 
and or you know or of course you can do like a mix of two kind of thing um but in a way the most ideal environment we want is many people writing many different kinds of reviews um about all the shows they go to and and what you're saying i feel is especially um the case when an art scene doesn't have enough arts media or arts critics when you know when there's only like four or five and the weight of this four or five becomes so important that they almost become like authority figures by default just because of like the fact that they exist and and for me like when i'm talking to students or when i'm talking to like writers in general i'm like i love that there's like 20 of you here because if all if just 20 of you publish your reviews then it won't matter in a sense that one you know like a few of you are writing like you know maybe really academic kind of like uh, language and some of you are writing really kind of more mass um like mass targeted type reviews because then like we have a scene and i think like for me like i'm trying to create a scene or i'm trying to create uh, a whole kind of like environment of criticism um in fact like sometimes like when i talk to them i it's not even about writing about art but really writing about like anything in your life like how do you form an opinion how do you back up your opinion and for me like the teaching them how to express themselves is as important as teaching them how to write about art specifically um yeah so so oftentimes like i'm talking about the environment for just expression like freedom of expression in the in in your like not not just country you know but just like in your kind of circle like do you how do you express yourself with your friend how do you back up an opinion and sometimes like it goes down to like kind of that basic level of like critical thinking and critical like communicating which i find like could actually be sometimes the the problem to to kind of face first in a way Yeah, we love how you take a very strong ecosystem approach to all of this, right? You see all the different parts like that need to come together before you can get something across to to your audience. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I'm very intrigued by by how you think about that audience though. Um is there a specific persona that you're going after when when you're putting out a story or when when you're helping writers put across a story, do you say to them, "Oh, I want you to think of this specific person?" who lives in this country who cares about this kind of of uh of you know of uh mm. of stories or or art um how do you think about about your audience in that sense uh are you going for something that's really mass or just you know are you writing for other art uh, mm. critics yeah okay this is a this is a, a kind of tricky question because like i'm suddenly remembering about how when i was at the straits times our our reader our imagined reader or maybe our actual reader was like the auntie or uncle like in the coffee shop and it was kind of funny because I was writing um for the live section and I was writing about the arts so I was always trying to be like okay how do I make this understandable to like um like really the men the men and women in the coffee shop who's like reading a newspaper um and and now that I'm in, in arts equator and we are like very much like obviously like focus on the arts um and regional arts and that I find myself like maybe catering a bit more to the informed reader i would say like someone who already loves the arts or someone who has an interest in the arts and maybe just needs like uh or wants to know more about like how you know how how do you write or talk about the arts in uh, in a way that's um like more more than like the basic uh, uh coverage that you get in in uh like your daily newspapers let's say um so it's a bit more of a, 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 a an informed audience i would say but um 
but I'm starting to realize, or like in the last few years or so, or last year, I guess, I've started to think about all oh, my boss, um, Cathy Roland has been telling me about like, how do you actually, we need to grow our readership, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like you don't want to preach to the converted and that's the kind of thing that always happens in the arts because I think like, especially if you think about theater, which is where I'm from, there's a certain class of people that tend to watch theater. There's a certain class of people that, that stories are, tend to be targeted towards, whether or not that's um, intentional or not. Like, the, you know, the audience tends to be kind of like the converted. And we always need to kind of think about how do we go, you know, how do we challenge that? Uh, and this is from a perspective as a theater maker myself. Um, and I think as a critic or as an arts writer, I'm trying to think like how, you know, you know that whole thing about like if you target everyone, you target no one. And and I'm I'm kind of like still struggling with that. For me, I do what um we mentioned earlier. So I try to use like more accessible language. And for me, I try to write from a more in, like a more emotional standpoint, like a personal, very subjective. Um I write about myself quite a lot in my writing. Uh so I don't there are some critics that use very distancing language or very objective kind of a, a, a tone, and I don't do that. And I think a lot of arts creators' um, reviews tend to be a bit more personal and a bit more contextualized to our, our own uh, context. Um, and for me, the hope is that we get a reader that, you know, um, we get a reader that likes that and appreciates that and comes to Arts Equator for that because I think like we have had enough of like experts writing about the arts in this expert language that only some understand and I think even like I, we, I'm also very conscious of the fact that I'm based in Singapore and we are like one of the most privileged countries in, in the region so you know who am I to really talk about something that's like um, in another country like I'm not going to be the expert in that so I don't even try so I, I often write about things. If, if I'm writing about a, a piece of work that's not based in Singapore, I, I, you know, I admit that I, I'm not the expert. I admit that it's maybe not for me. And like just understanding like all the blind spots. Like for me, going hyper-personal, hyper-local, um, even if it means you don't, maybe you don't even know what that art is. And, and maybe that's okay because maybe it wasn't for you. Uh, for me, like that's kind of like what, Art Creator um, has kind of like come to be known for uh, with me as the editor. And I think other editors might have different styles, but this is like kind of like the current, um, like, I don't know, I guess that's the current like editorial, um, like, I don't know, landscape for Art Creator at the moment at least. Yeah, I find that the way that you talk about that editorial landscape uh, is inclusive of the fact that there are many different audiences, you know, and many different opinions about the arts and that each one of those opinions actually uh, seeks to include rather than exclude. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Um, you know, I, I want to throw this open to questions from people. Um, if nobody has a question, I have about three, but please feel free to unmute, ask your questions, ask Nabila, uh, or put them in the Telegram chat if you like. Um, totally up to you. We'll ask. We'll ask it for you. Who's got a question? And going once, going twice. I feel like Harish has a question that's coming up slowly. Why? While you write that, Harish, I'm going to ask my. 
you know, Nabila, I love that your theater um, collective is called Lazy Native. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and and you know, you speak to you you spoke to some of that uh, about your you know about you being about you being in Singapore. Mm. It, that name sounds like it has a story behind it. Uh, <laughs> tell us about that. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it comes from uh, like a classic text um, called. The Myth of the Lazy Native by Syed Hussein Alatas. Um, and, and that comes from essentially like how the British colonialists kind of painted the natives uh, in Malaya, in this part of the world. And um, I, I never studied like Southeast Asian theory or studies or anything like that. But just, you know, especially in the last few years as I was, um, uh, I did my master's in goldsmiths in playwriting and and that was in 2019. And, you know, all this talk about decolonizing and all was um, definitely kind of, uh, I would say, I would kind of say like in fashion almost. Um, and when I was there, I wanted to put up a play in London. Uh, and I'm very much like a Malay woman in Singapore, you know, Muslim and uh, all these identities that like uh, are kind of contained in like me as one person. I felt that it was really hard to communicate that to you know, um, a lot of people in in London that I was uh, around. So oftentimes you tend to either, you know, you, you tend to either simplify your identity or reduce yourself to something that people really understand. Um, and when I wanted to put up a play we with a group of friends, we were like, okay, what should we name our collective? Uh, and I thought about this, the, the, the book, The Myth of the Lazy Native. And I was like, oh, let's call ourselves Lazy Native. <laughs> and, and in a way it was like, oh, you know, it's just a, on one hand, it's just like a cheeky reference to the book. And I'm sure a lot of people don't know the book. So, you know, it might just fly over their heads. But I wanted a name that they would see, they would look at and they'd be like, oh, okay, this kind of like um, brown, brown, brown women, Asian women, Southeast Asian women uh, in a collective called Lazy Native. What's that about? Like, why are they calling themselves lazy? You know, um, and like making people check themselves a bit uh, like about whatever perceptions they had about Southeast Asian women. Um, and hopefully watch, uh, make them watch the show that we put up, which uh, yeah, we basically put up a play. Um, and, and I just like the name <laughs> because it's on one hand, it's funny, but on the other hand, like if people like uh, want to ask us about it, there's, there's so much that we can say about, you know, about how do you, like, what do you perceive is a Southeast Asian woman? What do you perceive is a Malay woman or a Muslim woman? Um, and I'm only saying woman because the play that we put up was about kind of a, a kind of female um, perspective type story. Um, but I just found myself like trying to explain to someone what Southeast Asia was, was so difficult that I just wanted a name that would be a conversation starter. And then from there, we would talk to them about it. Yeah. I think that's an awesome calling card because it opens a door to so many ways of, of telling your story and, uh, you know, and, and to get that message across. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful name. That's great. I'm going to have to look up the book. <laughs> um, all right. Very conscious of everyone's time today. So I just want to wrap this one up. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us today on Splice Lo-Fi. Uh, this is something that we do every Friday morning. So if there's someone you'd like to hear on Lo-Fi, please let us know. Uh, and if you're enjoying this in your podcast app, please hit subscribe. And you're going to find find out more about uh, uh, Splice on splicemedia.com. Uh, we will catch you next week, uh, 11 a.m. Singapore time. Have a great weekend, everybody. And thank you, Nabila, for your story. This is Splice.
gosh, that was so wow. good. I I really like that ecosystem approach. I know. You know, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah, and you know, I love that she said, if you target everyone, you target no one. And words really, to live by. Exactly. All, All right. right buddy. See ya. See ya later.